if you're trying, you're never wasting time. If mm -hmm. you're feeling, you're also never wasting time because if you are learning from what you've done, you're always going to be better off. And it might be in the same area that you've always been working for. Or if you're like me, who's always switching lanes, it might be in somewhere, somewhere else as well. So as long as you're trying and you're working towards something, um, it's always going to be something that you're going to be able to build on later on. The Power of Why podcast is an interview style show that talks to leaders who are purpose driven. I started to notice a pattern amongst folks who are fulfilled and, and live in alignment. They walk different. They know why they spend time doing their work and they are fueled by impact. Very, very excited for you to delve into this episode with, with Lara. She is an incredible entrepreneur and strategic thinker. Why I believe this episode is really going to impact people um, is because of how raw and authentic she was in her story. She, for me, really unraveled why tough decisions are so difficult. The stories that it helps you untangle that maybe you didn't even know were there, right? Like the internal dialogues that you sometimes have with yourself. And I think for, for those listening, we need to ask ourselves why we struggle with, with, with hard choices. With that, also understanding that tough decisions make your life easier. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 22 of the Power of Why podcast. My name is Naomi Hailey, and today I'm joined by Lara Hamoud. Lara, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Hi, Naomi. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on. And it's funny because we, um, this is our first time speaking, but we've had, you know, a few, um, you know, back and forth online. I initially found you on LinkedIn and I thought your story was um, very fascinating. You've, you've made a lot of um, transitions and I love how in your story, I can tell that you've gotten outside of your comfort zone a lot. So I really thought that you would be a fantastic guest on the podcast. And, you know, before we dive in, I'd love to tell the audience a little bit about you and then we can go into your origin story and all of that. So Lara is uh, diligent. She's ambitious. She is someone who likes to start things, is really into growth and entrepreneurship. You know, she identifies her proudest achievements, which include successfully launching the first Pencils of Promise uh, Club in Ottawa, starting an enterprise with a social purpose, which I'd love and I'd love for you to get into, called Lawyerly, and, you know, moving to London, UK to seek new challenges and opportunities. And I have to say, I really love how you have been able to kind of merge your, you know, business development experience with an understanding of, of law and, and legal procedures. And conversations offline were around failing forward and kind of talking about fear as well and how those are the things that we need to tackle in order to get outside of our comfort zone and continue to grow in our development. So um, really, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And I'd love for you to delve in and talk about your origin story and what brought you to where you are today. Thank you, Naomi. That's, that's a very, very uh, kind introduction. I, I hope that I'll be able to deliver uh, everything that you just mentioned. But um, yeah, I'll go ahead and just start a bit about myself. Um, I was born to a Russian-Lebanese family. 
so multicultural from the get-go. Yeah. Um, I lived in Lebanon for 15 years, uh, which was very interesting. And I think that really formed the way I am right now, at least in terms of principles and in terms of my ambition as well, because um, I... I struggled a bit there um, trying to understand uh, the female's kind of position in, right. in society and having a Russian mother <laughs> that really um, always was trying to help us to move forward and uh, do everything that we believe in, regardless of what the society was dictating for us. So mm -hmm. that was really, an, I think, an eye-opening experience for me. Uh, then when we moved to Canada, it was um, a great opportunity for, for me to finally uh, start exploring, um, because uh, obviously as a society in Canada, we're way more open-minded and the opportunities are everywhere. So uh, in Canada, I went to business school first, uh, University of Ottawa. Uh, that was a very interesting experience, even though I, I must admit it was a bit difficult for me from the emotional side. Uh, I was struggling to understand what I want in life and struggling to also understand who I am, mm -hmm. uh, which, which I am do, almost doing the same right now. I think it yeah. never ends. It's uh, an endless journey. Then um, I went into the workforce and worked at um, a lot of different uh, interesting uh, companies, uh, but I didn't feel satisfied. I, I felt like um, at some point something was dying inside of me uh, just popping spreadsheets every single day and not understanding my purpose in life maybe around that time I start researching um, what I want to do what's my next step and I had an option between MBA and law school mm -hmm. and MBA was interesting but I didn't feel like it would challenge me enough so I chose to go law school route, which was quite difficult, but I'm so happy that I did it because it, it taught me so much. It, I think that's where I changed fully in terms of my understanding of life, in terms of strengthening my positions on certain aspects of life, of society. Um, that's when I understood that I, I do care a lot about the environment. I care about animals. I do care about human rights more than I thought I did. Yeah. And um, even though I started law school with uh, an intention to graduate as a family lawyer, um, I ended up taking the route more closer to international law and uh, environmental law, um, as well as a bit of human rights. So those are the three options that I wanted to go into because I felt that that would have a lot of impact. That's when I also was really curious about how I can help. That's when I bumped into the Pencils of Promise um, clause and started doing a bit more research about it. And I've noticed that we don't have any of that in our university. So I rallied up my uh, classmates and my friends and we decided to start fundraising for this cause. Amazing. So I've, I, I did that for maybe a year uh, until uh, law school be, became quite demanding and I started working full time 
uh, and doing law school at the same time. Uh, so I just handed it off to my friend. And that's when I also, the idea of lawyerly came uh, to me. It was between me trying to understand why uh, the legal system is so archaic. Uh, why do we still have to go through so much paper? And instead of simplifying things and saving costs for the clients, we are uh, not really thinking about how we can uh, use technology to improve that as well. Right. Um, and kind of passing on that uh, savings into uh, to our clients as well. Um, and it was quite frustrating. And that's one of the reasons why I wasn't really, at some point I stopped thinking about going to law firms because uh, I thought that at this point, law and technology would make sense for me because I, I care about making something a bit more effective and efficient. And I really care about the legal system as well. So um, that's when I started doing a bit more research about what, eventually we become lawyerly. Um, so it, it first started with um, noticing the struggles of um, the students around me with summarizing casework and understanding that we do this year over year, doing the same work over again, because most of the precedents case, precedent cases are, um, are the same. And even if we have anything new, it's, it, it doesn't happen that often that they would um, require you to take some, to um, summarize something totally new unless it's a very, very important case. So um, I start realizing that we can actually set up a template and a website where everybody can start summarizing those cases and not only the students can benefit from each other's knowledge, um, and adding on to the cases that we've seen um, and moving from just data into actual knowledge, we can actually also use it for analytics in the future if we right. are able to structure it in a proper way. Right. So that was my initial thought and then it, it, it got iterated so many times. Yeah. Uh, I, I think but by the end of Loyally, as you probably uh, have read the description, it's totally different concept at this point mm -hmm. uh, because my focus then moved towards self-represented litigants and my understanding of their struggles um, was that that's not their priority. It's definitely not their priority to have summarized cases because they 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 don't know where to start from they they really don't understand the basics so they they don't really know why they would need cases so that's exactly why i started doing a bit more research about what exactly they need because that's that's where we were i think as uh, the legal society um, and in general as society we were uh, missing the point because it, legal services are always getting more and more expensive and people are not making more money and a lot of them are not able to afford money and then also with the mental um with the mentality that we have right now of you know i can do it myself um it's, it's a lot difficult. of different areas right and, and a lot of legal, but yeah yeah in a lot of different areas and in this case people were um starting to try at least to 
uh, to defend themselves in court. I actually have a number of people of my friends that never really taken any law course in their life and don't even have the legal basics, uh, but were able to um, go through the uh, legal system and defend themselves properly uh, just because they did a bit more research. But not a lot of people have that time and they don't have money and they don't have the background, maybe not the edu pro proper education to um, to support that. So um, that's where I started talking to lawyers and trying to figure out uh, the best way. And uh, I think the, the where we stopped at was unbundled services. And that what, what that means is instead of having the lawyer defend you from uh, the beginning to the end of the trial, uh, you choose, you piecemeal it basically. You ask them for help for a specific aspect of the case and this way you can do it yourself if you care. If you don't have the money, you also can at least understand where you can get help. It's not all or nothing. It's You, you have at least bits of help here and there. Right, take what you need. And then, then when I um, I actually tested this idea by posting, um, I think few on social media, a few um, posts asking people who need help that we have um, lawyers who can provide unbundled services and explained what that was, and I just got uh, emails raining on me because everybody was trying uh, to understand a question they have. Or they uh, want somebody to help them draft something or appear in one court appearance. And it, it was interesting how, how, how many people were actually interested in it. And it was definitely indicative of something that was going wrong in that system. So that's the reason why I ended up actually starting um, building a prototype for this to make it even easier than just me uh, trying to find uh, the right lawyer to the right person for a specific legal task um, we decided to automate that and make sure that there's a safe protected place where they can interact so uh, for many cases uh, also let's say in rural Ontario where they don't have um, a lot of lawyers and let alone un people who provide unbundled services you right now through internet you can actually connect with somebody in Toronto who is able to help you out on a specific task on a specific legal task mm -hmm. so that that was our intention with our prototype uh, we built it we presented it we got into the Western Accelerator using that, saw that. Yes, yes, I saw that. Amazing. Yeah. And we got some funding. So from there, we just started building the building up on the idea. And I'm not sure if you want me to continue or you want to. There's so much. Yeah, there's so much to unpack here. I um, mean, from even within school, like you when you said, you know, I chose between the MBA and, and your, you know, your JD and uh -huh. to go to law school. It's it's interesting. So you decided to go the law school route because you feel like it would challenge it would have challenged you more. Um, yeah. but even during your program, you found deeper interest there that you didn't necessarily knew that you had. Right? You said yeah. I, I didn't know that I was this passionate about human rights, environmental law, yeah. international law. And I think you know, kind of my key takeaway around that is 
you don't know unless you try. I mean, you could read about these, these issues, but I think until you start actually doing something with it, doing something with that knowledge or, or trying to seek new avenues um, that oftentimes we don't know exist, that's when you find out, okay, this is what makes me tick. This is what gets me excited. You know, this is where my passions could lie. And I think so, it's, it's tough. Like when you're coming out of school or even while you're in school, you literally know nothing. I still feel like I know nothing. Uh-huh. But at the same time, we need to keep exploring. We have to. Otherwise, how are you going to find the things that, how are you going to bump into the things or fall into the stuff that, that you're meant to be doing? The second thing that I really liked is how you said that lawyerly doesn't look like what it did at the beginning. Like you were constantly iterating, but you also got feedback from the community and from your Mm -hmm. peers before you started building something. And I Mm -hmm. think the worst thing that could happen is you, is you build something for two years, you put all these resources, it costs all this money and you're like, yeah, nobody wants this. Nobody ever wanted that. So Mm -hmm. I think to take that feedback at the beginning before you started um, kind of building this product or the service, you got the validation, right, from the people who would actually be using it. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's so crucial. But I, but I love your, you know, tenacity to go after the stuff that you, that you want. So when it comes to building and mm-hmm. kind of exploring your interests, what – I'm really fascinated. What drew you to – because these are all stuff that you were doing in Ottawa, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So Pencils of Promise, you started in Ottawa. Loyally, the idea started in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. When did you think, huh, let me try and kind of move abroad um, and see what could be in store on a different continent? Okay. Uh, so that, that was actually not very planned. And um, it was actually a very difficult decision for me to make because um, at, at that point, I already moved to Toronto. And as, as I said, we've received funding and we were building uh, something uh, with Lawyerly. We were building the, uh, the second version of the prototype. Um, and the situation happened this way that my husband was doing his MBA and um his there was a really great opportunity that would be in london so uh and i had the the business going even though i at that point and i think that's where i'm gonna start talking about maybe a bit of um mistakes i've done or failures um i i i wasn't really sure how well this business is gonna go um, I understood that there was an issue. Uh, I was getting mixed um, feedback in terms of whether it's going to be a, a, a solution that we're going to be able to actually um, be profitable with it because it is for a cause and we're trying to do as much as possible um and it was a very long way because unbundled services is not something that is very common in canada even though in some other areas and other legal systems it might be common in canada it wasn't and having those conversations even with um a lot of lawyers it, it was difficult because not all of them really supported it mm-hmm. um it's it's losing their security uh in terms of their jobs um yeah. and we we definitely had to find people who were will be willing to do that 
So um, it was a very long process. Um, I just graduated uh, law school and my husband just graduated his MBA. So uh, it was a very dis difficult decision for me to follow my husband, to be honest, because um, at, at this point, um, he had a, um, a career that was almost guaranteed. Um, I had a project or a business that was not 100% guaranteed. Um, I contemplated maybe moving it to London and see how it works here. Uh, but at the same time, I wasn't sure if, if we're not going to be able to be profitable in the next few years, I'm not sure how I would have been able to support myself um, throughout this. So it, it was definitely a very difficult decision. Um, I, I learned a lot from the business itself, um, but I decided to put it on the back burner. Um, and I, I felt that maybe allowing my spouse to take his leap and see how he grows, um, because we are a partnership and he, yeah. he trusted me throughout my business when I was running it. Um, this time I decided to give him that, um, mm -hmm. uh, the, that leave that opportunity that, that kind of push to to go and achieve what he wanted to do and at the same time i didn't stop and i decided to go back into the workforce and try to build on the skills that i'm going to need to be able to build a business that is successful because one thing one thing that you you're going to learn especially with businesses uh like this um you you think that it's easy but it's definitely not easy it's it's uh you're gonna have to have you're a master of a lot of skills when you're the only one running it you you're on a call with an investor one day uh, in the morning then you're trying to crunch through the numbers uh the during lunch and then in the evening you're trying to go through the legal process to understand if it's uh, the, the way you're proposing your uh prototype to function if mm -hmm. it's even legal to go through right so you're wearing a lot of hats and um at some at some time sometimes especially that i was working alone i had pro developers doing uh the actual um website building and the platform building but i was doing everything almost everything alone so to me i really struggled and i i sometimes i did feel like um, maybe i need a bit of push or maybe i need to to work somewhere where i can build a specific skill uh, for example strategy or in a, a growth team where i can build those skills and maybe i'll be able to uh, catapult my business once once i go back to it um, even if the environment or the state of it changes by the time I get back to it, but at least I understand that I'm coming with my tools to be able to yeah. build a better business. So what did that process look like? At this point, when you decided to put Loyally on the back burner, were you sitting in London with your husband? and Or was this a decision that you had been mulling over and thinking about before you guys moved overseas? So what, what happened, he, he started getting interviews and he started flying out. Okay. Um, he was in London for a period of time and I refused to <laughs> accept it for the longest time. So I, still, I was still running lawyerly mm, even, even then. 
So I, I basically tell him, told him once you get something and it's hundred percent guaranteed and you know that you want to go for it. Yeah. That's when we start the conversation right now, I don't see the point of me even considering anything else because, um, and in life you have a lot of alternatives, not until you actually hundred percent you're taking it. I, I, I didn't want to, um, waste my time considering this. So, yeah. At that point, when he came back and told me that he got a job, it was a, a very good opportunity for him in a really good company here. And um, that's when our conversation started. And mm -hmm. uh, it was between me maybe staying for a bit in, in, in Canada, maybe trying to push it a bit further and see if there's um, a higher percentage of me actually making it through this business. Uh, also considering moving it to, to London and see how it could survive here in London, especially that it's quite difficult to run something like this from abroad uh, because it's very relationship-based, especially yeah. at the beginning. Uh, and it is very jurisdictional. So it's, it, it is limited to the areas that you are in and where your lawyers are. Um, so, um, but, but kind of weighing all the pros and cons. And um, I think at, at that time I, I was a bit burned out to be honest. And um, so not, I, I won't say that I was really doubting the business. I was just not hundred percent sure um, how profitable it will be. And um, I, I decided to maybe put, put it on the back burner earn a bit money and skills and maybe go back to it and so what did that i'm curious what that process looked like when you were sitting down and thinking you know these are the skills that i actively want to build and i think that will serve me in terms of growing lawyerly when i decide to go back to it what were those skills that you were, you were highlighting what was the process like finding a job you know um once you were there mm -hmm. so i i think this is very interesting because I, I went about it very strategically. There were a lot of... I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. This is why I'm asking because I think your process is very fascinating. And even the way you think, your decision-making process, even though I don't know you well, just by the way you talk, you seem very meticulous and um, diligent, you know. So I'd love for you to talk about that process. Yeah, so the, the way I worked about it is I, I basically looked at the end goal in terms of what exactly I want. Um, and I thought about every the skills that I had and that I feel that I am comfortable with and the ones that I feel that require a bit more work. Um, I also looked into what I, I believe somebody who's running a business like this would need. Um, and f for me, one big uh, area was around business development and strategy. Okay. So I understood that I can definitely outsource um, the finance work. I can definitely outsource anything related to legal, any administrative work, any developing the platform work. But I definitely as a manager, as a person who's going to be leading this company, I cannot outsource strategy. Um, I cannot outsource uh, understanding the operations of the business. I cannot outsource um, the process of expansion. Um, and another um, 
option that I was also considering was looking into how I can tell my story better. And that would be maybe in terms of communications or marketing. Um, and I don't have any experience in that. And that's why I felt like I struggled a bit, even though I, I would say that social, uh, our social media was doing quite well. Um, I still was not really sure what I was doing about it. So um, I, especially that I, as a, as a manager, I need to be able to tell the story properly, not only just for the investors, it's the employees that you're, you're telling the, the, the same story. And then you, you also have to cater to the other audiences, like your clients or the, <coughs> sorry, the users of your platform. So um, that was very important for me to, to do. So I did a bit of reading. Um, I tried to gather a lot of literature about this. And then I also started writing down in Excel spreadsheet all the skills. I categorized them. I um, made sure, looked into the different professions um, or roles that potentially I'll be able to find or practice those skills in because you, you can you can have a communications um, a, a strategy role for example that doesn't really necessarily do much of strategy it could be more of a communications role so I, I wanted to make sure that all the skills that I wanted to develop are more or less common in that position that I end up getting so it was quite strategic and my focus was mostly on business development and uh, strategy when I was looking for different roles. And I'm not going to lie, I also as sometimes as a backup looked into legal, into everything, in, into other things as well, because I think we all have those days where something goes wrong and you're like, I am going to stop this yeah. and trying so hard. I'm just going to yeah. go with, with what's easy. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I always ended up, whenever I got an interview with that specific role, I always ended up saying to myself, no, that's not what I was working for. So let me push myself a bit harder and get to to where I actually want to be. Mm, thank you for being honest about some of those periods where it gets difficult. And I, I don't think we um, talk about that enough. Especially, I think, nowadays where everything is like glitz and glamour, everything, especially around entrepreneurship, I think the conversation has shifted. Yeah, there are definitely moments where you're thinking, what is the point? Like, why am I putting myself through this when I could have it easier? But I think, you know, understanding what your, your why is and what your purpose is, is the thing that's going to drive you to, to keep going, right? Mm -hmm. Going after what you want. Yeah, and I, I think as, as soon as you shed the light on your weakness, on your fears, it's no longer scary. And it, and it actually no longer feels like a weakness anymore. And if you say that I fear this out loud, you, you actually start getting a bit more courageous about it. You, you, it it's something shifts inside of you and you actually are able to do what you wanted to do. Um, and that's one of the ways I always went about it um even if something really scares me um or expose it yeah i just expose it and yeah. i go forward um not expecting anything um going outside of the comfort zone you can't really expect much uh, so i i put i i put one goal for myself as long as i did it 
I really don't care how it was. I don't really care how perfect it ended up being. As long as I did it, even if I get injured, even if I get harmed, that's what that's the performance I wanted to get. I'll be happy as long as I did that. And I, I think this, even this podcast, it is, to be honest, I've never done it before, done a podcast before. So I did go outside of my comfort zone here. And I told myself, as long as I speak, and I complete this podcast, I'll be happy with myself. Mm-hmm. So when you decided to move there, you said it, it was tough following your husband there. Um, what were some of the internal dialogues around making that transition that you were having with yourself? If I was totally honest, I, I, <clears throat> feel, I felt um, like I was betraying myself a bit if I was really honest, and then at, at some point you, you you try to convince yourself that you didn't fail, even though mm. you might have taken the uh, shortest route, the easiest route. Um, but um, it was, it was, it, it definitely was a dialogue in my, in, in my head, because my, my ego would say that, Laura, you could have done better, you could have stuck for yourself and you could have actually worked towards what you wanted to do and it would have been successful the other side of me was saying that um no that's the right thing to do um and we're, we're being diplomatic here so it was a lot of the voices in my head never stop and i think that's um one thing that a lot of people have to understand that we all have them and we yeah all uh struggle with them especially during rough times uh you sometimes you get lost in them you don't you 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 don't know who to listen to and that's why my i think having people around you who can help you guide guide you towards back to yourself is very important uh because i i was alone for a bit here and there was Basically, nobody I knew besides my husband, and he was working long hours. So those dialogues amplified when you're alone because you're you're trying to find a job. You're again trying to find your purpose, and you just quit on something that you worked so hard on. So it's it's inevitable that you're gonna have um, some self hatred and uh, criticism happening. But I think the more you actually do and the more you you accomplish it actually it changes the story in your head too so um when i started going out and talking to people going to different meetups and event uh, going to different events conferences um going outside of your comfort zone again um you start realizing that okay it didn't work out that time maybe you have a potential in somewhere else Mm -hmm. and it's being kind of it's funny because the and not funny at the same time because those internal dialogues when you actually kind of lay them out and address them as it's happening you know because I you hit it on the nail like we all have those um thoughts sometimes and they're I feel like they're louder when you go when you're going through times of transition or change or when you're really Mm -hmm. struggling um but I think like laying them out even if you have to write it down if you're a visual uh-huh. person, um, like are these things that you would ever say to someone that you love? And if the uh-huh. answer is no, then you, you need to address it, right? And you need uh-huh. to address 
why you f- like the root of of all of these um, thoughts and self criticism. It can turn into a cycle where you don't even notice that you're mm-hmm. having these conversations. I'm curious, how do you define failure? Is it is it something that you've um, defined for yourself? And then on the flip side, how how do you define success as well for you? Because it's different from person to person. So to me, my my feeling about failure is failure is blessing in disguise at least in in so many cases um i did fail and i failed quite often and it, it does hurt and i think um you i think it hurts more when you start telling yourself that you failed if you just speak it out and actually tell people what happened they 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 won't see that as a failure um but uh what often happens after that when you fail just in a brief period of time you start realizing that maybe that wasn't yours Mm. maybe that wasn't something you're meant to to do um and you start looking at what happened in retrospect with a different perspective and uh, to me i've actually learned a lot after i i did loyally and in in my opinion i failed it because i did quit on that um i learned that first of all i i might not be the right person to run a business that is very innovative and very kind of disruptive disruptive yes uh maybe i i am more meant to run something that is a bit traditional with a bit of innovation here and there just because i know myself in terms of patience i don't have a lot of patience (laughs) and um i i wanna i want it to happen now so that's one uh one thing that i i i thought about very hard and it was very difficult for me because i really cared about what i wanted to do and uh but i didn't have that patience so maybe if i practice my patience right now in the future i'll be able to be a bit more patient about my business <laughs> um but i've also learned that things do go wrong and they're always going to go wrong you're always going to iterate you're not never going to end up having the perfect picture you had from from the beginning so you it's it's totally okay to flow through the days to to have your highs and downs to acknowledge them and just have to kind of live through it in order for it to not really um, frustrate you. So um, that's one acknowledgement really helped me because otherwise I was really frustrated with myself. I'm like, how many times can I fail in in a day or how many times can I fail in a month? So um, just understanding that this is totally okay because you're always going to have a high and then you're going to have a low and after the low and you're going to have a high again. So (laughs) Realization is extremely important for me. I think even in in my day to day life with friends, family, with everything, this is something I take with me everywhere. Because even in your relationships, you can have a lot of highs, but you're right. definitely gonna have lows too. And without the lows, the highs are not as sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is another yeah. thing I learned from. Um, my mistakes and the the failure that I had or the um, throughout my experience at Loyally. 
Um, I also understand uh, one thing I learned from Loyally is that confidence runs supreme in, in business and in entrepreneurship. Uh, you have to be confident by yourself. If you, you cannot deliver your message with confidence, why would anybody believe in you right. if you're not believing in what you're saying? Uh, it's very important, especially when you're doing it in front of investors. If your voice is shaking and you cannot answer questions and you do not believe in your message, why do you think a person has to give you uh, any money for, <laughs> for what, you're, what you're trying to ask? So. Yep. Um, confidence is very important. I, I've seen it in the accelerator. I've seen so many people who can sell you anything. And if, if they're confident, you want it. If they're not, even if it's the best idea, you... Yeah, you, you hesitate a bit. Yeah, you hesitate a bit because yeah. you're like, there's something that they're either hiding or yeah. uh, it's not as attractive. So right. I think confidence is very important in business and in any, anything else that you're, you're doing. Beautiful. I, I, you know what? I've been lately, um, I've been getting a lot of like in conversations with people, whether it's on the podcast or meeting people at events. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm sharpening my intuition, but I get shivers a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I got it a few times during, you know, while you were speaking. But I think mm -hmm. the moment that hit me was, you know, you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the highs wouldn't be as sweet without those lows. And that is, wow, fascinating perspective. Not everything, like the journey is not going to be as smooth as you think it's going to be. And it can be very overwhelming in the moment. And uh -huh. even there was just an event here recently called Failing Forward. And uh -huh. um, my friend was running it and she reached out to kind of her community and said, if anyone's interested in speaking on this topic, please like reach out to me. So I did, I kind of uh -huh. raised my hand and I didn't know what I was going to talk about, but I was reflecting, mm -hmm. failing forward. Okay. Interesting. Uh -huh. um, and then I reflected and I, I'd love for you to answer this too. I, I went uh -huh. through and I was like, like, what were my, what were things that I really struggled with or around my failure? And at, at the moment, like I couldn't come up with anything and it's not because I haven't failed um, because in the moment, mm -hmm. really, really rough, but I couldn't pinpoint anything. I think as looking back, and you've hit this too, it wasn't meant for you. Like it wasn't, it wasn't meant for me at that time. Maybe not the answer never, but at that moment, it wasn't meant for me. And I think truly accepting that allowed me not to put it in the bucket mm -hmm. of failure, but rather you know, it was actually like redirecting me. Oprah says this all the time, redirecting me to actually where I'm supposed to be going. Mm -hmm. I love, I really do love your perspective on that because I think right now there's, there tends to be like a lot of anxiety of, of not having it figured out. And, you know, before mm -hmm. we started this conversation, we were talking about that. I was like, I don't think we will ever have it figured out, but as mm -hmm. long as we're clear on what we have to offer and we're confident in what we're delivering, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, staying true in alignment with, with who you are and what you're supposed to, what you feel you're supposed to be doing is success mm -hmm. in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you pointed a really important um, idea as well here that it, it might not be right for you at that moment. Right. Um, and it's, it's, 
everything has its right place and time. And uh, so, sometimes you just have to go through a lot of other experiences in order for you to realize what you really want. And even if you go back to the same spot where you started from, at least you're enriched with all this experience and you're able to start again with experience, with confidence, with the knowledge that you've gotten. You never, you're never wasting time. If you're trying, you're never wasting time. If mm -hmm. you're failing, you're also never wasting time because if you are learning from what you've done, you're always going to be better off. And it might be in the same area that you've always been working for. Or if you're like me, who's always switching lanes, it might be in somewhere, somewhere else as well. So as long as you're trying and you're working towards something, um, it's always going to be something that you're going to be able to build on later on. I've, I've done quite a, quite a bit of different projects and uh, different um, joined a lot of uh, businesses and worked in uh, internships and part-time just trying to meet people trying to build mm -hmm. skill trying to learn new things and every one of them I left with a nugget of uh, wisdom um, and at, at least a, a bit of experience as well too because even at work right now I sometimes I have those moments where like I've done this before and I know that this doesn't work or I've done this before and I think we should do it this way so um, never never shy away from trying even, even if you're scared even if you feel like it's not gonna get you anywhere trying is always gonna help you in some mm -hmm. way in the Wow, if you're trying, you're not wasting time. I love that. What do you think is the major reason why people um, maybe avoid trying or may this conversation around procrastination and over planning? I think over planning mm -hmm. is a form of procrastination, but you're the strategy gal. Mm -hmm. And so when's the... I think there's a fine balance, but what's what's the balance that you've kind of experienced in your different ventures around the important piece of strategy, but also using that strategy to implement, execute? Do you believe in the statement, like, strategy is nothing without implementation? What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm just going to answer the, the first uh, question about why we're fearing to... Um, even try yes I believe because we we have a set beautiful picture in front of us that we've drawn out and that's what we want to achieve and if we feel we can't really get it or if we fear that this is not gonna be exactly the same picture most of the time we don't even try but the thing is you never know if you're gonna get there this way or the other way and your expectations of anything would actually ruin your whole experience of it because you're never going to get anything as per your expectation it's either going to be slightly less than what you expected or even way less than you expected or it can actually blow your mind yeah. a lot of people who've tried and tried over and over again can tell that they are living life beyond their wildest dreams because that picture is no longer there. Right. Um, they, they are 
they're working with no expectations. And that's why I believe a lot of people fear starting because they don't believe that they can reach there or they're, they, they, they believe that they can't as, or pretend physically or emotionally, they're not capable of re reaching there. So why try? Um, so that's my answer for the first one. I kind of forgot what you asked after that. Uh, around strategy, do you think, like, what do you think of the statement strategy is nothing without implementation? And what's that balance between over planning and, um, I guess, getting feedback from potential customers and having your ear to the ground? Mm -hmm. So strategy is nothing without implementations, without implementation. This is um, very true. <laughs> At least in 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 my um, way of doing uh, business or uh, planning any project, because if I sit and strategize for hours and really don't do anything about it, there's no outcome. And the the whole idea of at this point the strategy is not working because the end goal of the strategy is reaching to a specific result. Right. Um, so. There, there definitely should be a balance. You should have an idea where you're going. You should have an idea, at least a rough idea of how you're doing it. Uh, you should give your time to give yourself time to slightly understand what what's happening around you, what you should do. But at the same time, you should go forward and try because without trying, you never know what you're what reaction you can get from different people. I can sit and design the most beautiful cake with with icing and fruits and berries but if somebody has an allergy on this and <laughs> or the whole party doesn't eat icing and they they're into a health kick nobody is gonna eat it so right. <laughs> you understand your, like what you're offering you need to understand who's actually buying it because you're not creating it for yourself you're creating it for somebody else so it's it's a good thing to have a strategy but at the same time you should be able to be very agile to react to whatever they tell you and i, I think that's that was very evident in how we try to build we uh, um lawyerly uh we kind of we had the idea of what we wanted to go for we've done quite a bit of research to understand the state of uh our business but at the same time we reacted to what we received as feedback um again sometimes you have analysis paralysis when you get yeah. a lot of feedback you're like 50 percent is saying this 50 percent is saying that but again there's a totally different conversation when you start talking about like what to believe and what's the best way of actually gathering information because um we've realized that sometimes surveys might not actually be a good idea because not all people might be actually thinking about your business so maybe creating a prototype and let them use it and get frustrated with it and then give, give you feedback with an angry email maybe that would actually be a good uh, feedback for you because you know that um, this iteration of your prototype did not work for them um, so it, it, it depends on what you're trying to build and how you're trying to get your feedback but I I totally agree with trying and doing it first mm -hmm. with a bit of 
uh, uh, strategy in mind, um, failing and reiterating your business based on what you've learned along the the journey. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. And this concept of, of going for it, I want to tie that back to and sort of end the um, end the episode. I want to tie that back to your comment about confidence and being confident in what your service or product is, being confident in what your value proposition is as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we build confidence? How have you built confidence um, along your journey? And what have you seen, even amongst your peers, um, mm-hmm. as things that they have done that really has stood out to you? Because I think this is... This is such an, this could be an episode in and of itself, but I'd love, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. So for me, I I think confidence is not a constant state. You definitely need to nourish it. Mm -hmm. Um, You can be confident for a year and then all of a sudden something happens and you lose all your confidence. And we've seen it in a lot of people. You've probably noticed it in yourself. And, um, the way I go about it is when I feel that I'm lacking self-confidence, I, I try to do something um, that is outside of my comfort zone. And um, even though it's scary, and I think some people might think that's counterproductive, like how, <laughs> how are you going to feel about yourself failing if you're doing something outside of comfort zone and then you're just going to injure your confidence? And I, I, I've never actually, every single time I've done it, I end up coming out feeling um, feeling like a warrior, uh, feeling like I had a victory, even if I didn't do that well, or even if that expected picture didn't actually end up being the same, maybe I um, spoke too much, uh, or maybe I uh, said something stupid, or I, for example, did not run as fast as I wanted to in the marathon. it's still just completing that thing that really scared you really puts you on a uh, on a confidence high and if you do this constantly it doesn't have to be as big as running a marathon or um speaking in public or any of that you can just do it on a small scale if you're for example this kind of person who's not very uh comfortable uh speaking to people maybe going to events once in a while uh if you're not comfortable with um with your body image or if you're not comfortable with uh, your uh, athletic abilities uh, maybe pushing yourself in that direction and going and taking on a course that would require you do that. I've mm-hmm. done an improv class, which scared me a lot. Uh, I would be terrified before going to improv class. I knew they were going to put me on the spot. I knew yeah. I'm going to have to say or do something stupid in public. And this is something that I fear. Um but after that class, every single week, I would come out feeling amazing. And it kind of lingers with me for the rest of the week, uh, understanding that, yes, I was able to do that. Hence, I can do everything else that I have yeah. in planned for the rest of the week. Yeah. Confidence is definitely a skill. And I don't think, I honestly, I don't think it's a characteristic. Some people say, oh, they use it as a descriptive word and say, you know, this person was born confident or they have certain tendencies. But 
like I, I don't know. I, I, I believe it's it's quite the opposite and I agree with, with what you said. It needs to be nourished, right? It needs to be nourished. Uh-huh. And I and as you mentioned, the best way to do that is is by doing, right? By uh-huh. doing more things to build up that confidence muscle. And, uh-huh. and by the end of it, you're like, huh, I did that. It actually uh-huh. wasn't that bad. What else can I do and what else uh-huh. can I tackle? And from then it starts to grow and grow and grow. It's funny, uh-huh. like even with like public speaking, I think that's probably <laughs> a lot of people fear it, including uh-huh. me. And uh-huh. I, and now I, I sort of think about it like, no, I'm just trying to strengthen this muscle. So if there's mm-hmm. any opportunity to do so, I'll raise my hand. But I've noticed even like right before I go onto stage, and I've done it a few times, mm-hmm. um, I have this instinct to like leave. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, if I just leave right now, I can avoid this whole situation. I get like extreme, I get very nervous and all this mm-hmm. stuff. But by the end of it, you come off and you're like, wow, that mm-hmm. actually didn't go according to my expectations and sometimes it goes even better right so yeah. it's yeah, like i want more i want more, want more. <laughs> it's a muscle though lara it is you're right yeah. so the last two questions to sort of wrap this interview up thank you um is you know what's a resource that has been really pivotal on your journey it could be a book a podcast a person um what has it been for you I, I I can't really say one thing. Like, there's uh, always something that is inspiring me, and I think I'm very thankful for that because when I get into my downs, I end up having something pop up in my mailbox or uh, on some somehow I hear about a book uh, that ends up interesting me. Um, but I think one thing that I I keep on recommending to people to read and I think maybe that should be my um the book that was pivotal at least for me and I, that's where I got the concept of the flow uh, of the highs and um downs of um of life yeah uh, I would say it's the surrender experiment by Michael Singer I'm not sure if you've read that one but yeah. It's it's a it's a very uh, beautiful book. Uh, it talks about how he um, he wanted to understand the voices in his head, and he wanted to quiet them them down. And then, based on uh, him, he he decided to seclude himself and live uh, far away um, on the land that he bought in Florida. And then opportunities just started showing up on his doorstep mm. uh, just by letting it go, by surrendering to the moment. And um, him, he discussed the how life is all about highs and uh, downs, and you have to realize that it's it's not going to be all on the same wavelength. You, you, right. you have to be able to live through both of them and enjoy both mm-hmm. of them because sometimes the downs can actually be enjoyable too if you are not so hard on yourself um if you if you realize that okay i'm down right now i failed but i know that i can learn something from this so i would say that this is definitely a a book that um i i live by and i i actually reread it a few times and i normally don't reread books i guess (laughs) so this book i i definitely recommend and it's probably taught you something new every time or taught you something different every time you read a book. Yeah. I find 
you come yeah. as a different person and it could you take different things away from it mm -hmm. and uh lara the last question on the power of why is what do you believe that your why is what do you believe that you were meant to do during your time here so I, I think since I'm still exploring myself, I, I can't really pinpoint something in specifics, but I, I, I believe that as a collective, our wise to make this world pleasant place for all of us. And that would include me as an individual. I believe I would ascribe to that. And, um, and I'm not still sure how exactly I'll be making this world more pleasant to others. Uh, but I'm still looking through ways and I think um, my calling would be mostly around trying to find a way how to help people enjoy themselves mm -hmm. um, and um, I, I think service is mm -hmm. definitely one thing that comes to my mind when I when I think of why of your purpose yeah yeah and it's very fascinating. I mean, I've interviewed, like, this is the 22nd episode, and it's it's crazy and doesn't surprise me at all that the word service and help others has come up in every single response to this question. And um, I think that's where you do find your purpose. It's by thinking, how could you be of service to your community, to your industry, or to the world at large? And um, it's something that we are constantly exploring. Um, so, you know what, Lara, I am so happy that you decided to um, get outside your comfort zone and join me on your first episode. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. I always have a fantastic time recording and just chatting with my guests on, uh, around their journey and their story. I, you know, something that I'm really starting to feel deeply is the importance of understanding your origin story because it really does inform who you are today. So I hope you took something from Lara. I hope you uh, found at least one thing that you can apply on your own on your own path. And I'd really love for you to connect with me on, on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Naomi A. Hyland. And for the show notes and to connect with Lara, please visit NaomiHyland.com. And subscribe wherever you listen to this episode. I want to continue this, this dialogue and have this conversation with you. So let's continue to build, build an incredible community.